Cheers. Cheers. To uh to the fairies. To the fairies. And to the banshees. Please don't hurt us. Please don't hurt us. Oh my god. Hello there. Hi. Hello and welcome to Fairy Tale Fix. I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and I'm Abby. And this is the Fairy Tale Podcast, a what the fuck fairy tale podcast where we read fairy tales to each other and then fix them for a modern audience. Indeed, we do. What the fuck, indeed. Yeah, what the fuck? These are crazy. Like, have you ever read a classic fairy tale? Has anyone ever read The End of Sleeping Beauty? We have. Because I had not it's actually before started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it did not disappoint. So if this is your first episode, uh, get ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. Buckle the F up. <laughs> uh it's also march which means we are doing irish fairy tales only yep that is it it is the month of ireland of ireland so fairies changelings Mm -hmm. banshees Mm -hmm. hookahs giants oh is that a hint maybe I well, you know how I feel about giants. I know that's why I might have picked something that I knew you would enjoy. I'm also very glad that I'm going first today because I have already finished my whiskey. Yeah, you have. <laughs> now I'm going to move on to my Guinness. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I also have a Guinness. I did pour myself some Jameson's, but I um ended up not drinking it because I wasn't feeling it. But I did pour myself some water into this beautiful glass that whoever was the winner of our giveaway is now uh, the owner of this gorgeous fairy wine goblet. So just think that your lips have touched the glass (laughs) that Kelsey's lips have touched. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, I washed it. But you should also probably watch it. You should watch Um, it too. Fun fact, if you are listening and you did win this, uh, the goblets are also technically sherbet dishes. <laughs> like a, like Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> what that is? It's a noritake or noritake. I don't know how to say that. It looks like noritake. Spotlight olive green sherbet glasses. Okay. They looked very much like a wine goblet that a fairy would be drinking out of. Like if I saw it this, it absolutely does. You see this in the forest, just filled with wine. You're Abby's going to drink it anyway. Abby's going to drink it. Yeah. Um. To 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 her inevitable demise, probably. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I drink out of it for sure. I I thought it looked kind of like a crown that got made into a cup. I know. Isn't this cool? 
it's very cool. It's very beautiful. I know. I I brought it home and I almost thought like maybe I should go buy some more. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel kind of bad breaking up the set, but I wasn't about to buy like eight glasses. So. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Uh, but they're very cool. So congratulations to our giveaway winner. We yet to be determined. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying them. You can enjoy uh, fairy wine, regular wine, whiskey, water, water. or sherbet. Mm-hmm. Or sherbet. Yes, indeed. It's so cute. I wanted to thank our new patrons. Oh, yeah. I know this is a little bit late, uh, but thank you so much to Amanda and Benjamin and Rabia, who joined our Patreon. Um. We love you. We I love you know. all. By the time this comes out. <laughs> last month. Last month. Yeah. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. We hope you are loving the bonus episodes. I know they're usually like the most fun. So. I know. I know I tend to love them the most. I love these two. I love. I love all of them. But we find some wild stuff for those bonus episodes. I think we just feel so comfortable because we're like everyone here gets us, gets the show. They like us enough to pay us for this, which means <laughs> they want more of whatever this energy is. <laughs> which we are blown away by. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, like Rabia also joins us as a, our, our newest patron level or sorry, newest uh, producer, producer level, level, patron. level. Yeah. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Which woot woot. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really Really appreciate it. So you can find uh, you can find her name in the credits on every episode going forward because she's a oh, VIP. She's a VIP. Making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It does actually. Uh, I know it's weird. It does cost money to uh, have a podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> and have it be on uh, places like Apple and Spotify and such. There are there are significant production fees, so we really appreciate having some of that burden taken off of us. If you would also like to alleviate some of that burden, we usually save this for the closing credits. But I like talking about it sometimes up top because I know some of yous skip it. I yep. know some of you cut away, which is fine. That's a morally neutral activity. But I do want to <laughs> mention <laughs> that you can go to fairytalefix.cash. And sign up uh, to support the show and alleviate some of our production costs. We surely very appreciate it. And you get bonus episodes and merch and books and a lot of other really cool stuff. So fairytalefix.cash if you've got cash to spare. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo. Anyway. So anyway, what have you been up to? Um, This month? This month, it's mostly work related, to be honest. I don't want to give like too many details on like what I do uh, as my day job or anything, but I have been stressed out to the max all month long. (laughs) I'm finally done with it, but we but we we went to a con. Oh yeah. uh, As a company, we we tabled at the expo, and so I have spent I have spent most of this month in a sort of like delirious panicky state where I suddenly think of things that I should have done weeks ago that now need to be done now, Uh right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
this is me speaking from the past. So by the time you listen to this, all will be well. The con will be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and theoretically, I will have done a bang up job and will have learned a lot about what I need to do for next year. But yeah, but yeah, at the moment, mostly just stressing out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I completely understand. I know you do. And the <laughs> thing is, is like, I have known we were doing this since the summer. Yeah. And I thought I was ready. I had a checklist. I checked a lot of things off of my checklist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then more stuff needed to happen that I hadn't Always. actually considered until about, oh, we're about two weeks out at the at the time of recording. Uh-huh. Um yeah. So I'm having panic moments. Also, also one of my one of my least favorite things happens uh, because like, you know, I'm the only marketing person at my uh-huh. company. And so occasionally I, you know, we'll, we'll have little check in meetings with the entire team. Uh, and because I need because I need some help deciding what to do for things. And sure. then instead of Got, instead of giving me their take on what I have already decided to do and how to best go about that, they gave me their take on um, what they think I should have done instead. And oh, we talk no. about that for, for many minutes before moving on to what I actually did do and, <laughs> oh, no. and how best to execute that. And I hate it. It's my least favorite thing. I don't Aww. think any of them listen to this podcast, but if you do, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's not always super helpful. I mean, it's good to get feedback on things that have that are like in the past so you can improve them for the future, but kind of also dwelling on it isn't super helpful. No. And it's for little things too. Like if it was for a big, if it was for a big thing, yeah. You know, that would be different. This was um you know, I got I got a fucking prize wheel, you know. Yeah. So that you can spin the wheel at the show and oh, get a prize, fun. right? I love it. Super fun. And they spent like 10 minutes telling me that I should have ordered like a a prize wheel with our brand colors on it somehow or should have had like a like should have had a plan for redesigning it myself to have our brand colors on it. And I'm like, we have two weeks before this con happens. Don't have time to make everything. No. (laughs) We want you to hand paint it. Yes. (laughs) With details, fine details and all of our logos and fonts. Yeah. Make a stencil so that you can put every letter of our logo on it in, in our brand font. And like, (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, that does sound pretty dope. <laughs> it does. It doesn't not sound like a cool idea. It's just that there are two weeks left, and I already have a mountain of other shit to do. It's just, it's going to be a yeah, basic like bitch prize least, wheel, and that's fine. <laughs> the least important part of everything that's going on. It's going to yes. be fine. It's, it's going to be, be fine. fine. So, like, so, so, because like, I don't mind the feedback. So, this, but this is just a tip to all of you, all of you out there who work who work with marketing people or event planners especially if you work with event planners uh-huh any helpful ideas you have about what they should have done should be saved for the post event debrief 
Yes, absolutely. Not at the, like, before the not, event is happening. Not two weeks before the event. Uh, that is the wrong time to bring anything that you think should have happened up. <laughs> Man, I used to do event planning and I like, I like to ask people this in interviews is like, what's something you're really good at that you would never, ever want to do again? And my answer is event planning. Like I was was good at it and I did it and I hated it. I would never want to do event planning ever again. I have, I work with an event planner and I admire them so much. Like it is not a job I want. It is so Mm-mm. stressful. <laughs> it's just too much. It's also, I feel like a young person's game. Cause when you're an event planner, you are like running around and you're moving stuff and you got to have a good back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the day of the event, it's a 16 hour day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you have to have stamina. It's a young, it's absolutely a young person's game. Yeah. So if you're an event planner or know an event planner, like if you are an event planner and you love your job, good for you. If you don't love it, I get it. If you know mm-hmm. an event planner, be nice to them. Please be, be nice to them. Oh God, be nice to them. They are so Doing stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Helpful tips like after the event, after it's over. Exactly. Yeah. The feedback, super welcome afterwards yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man anyway um so that's how that's how i'm doing it's literally consuming every waking thought that isn't devoted to like sleeping eating and this podcast (laughs) but you still like dream about it too you ever ever, wake up in a panic like oh they're that last (laughs) oh you know i do uh last yesterday i woke up um I woke up uh, in a cold sweat because I dreamed that I got fired. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I fucked it up so bad that, like, my incompetence was finally fully revealed to everyone around me. And I could no longer keep my job. (laughs) That's the worst. It's okay. I'm going to have, like, a dream like that a night until this conference is over. (laughs) I remember event dreams. I would wake up with, like, the guest list in my head and go, like, wait, Mm -hmm. I need a table. I need to seat this person. And I wake up and I'm like, Yeah. and and all i'm doing is planning a table you know we're an exhibitor at at a massive expo with many other exhibitors like (laughs) you're gonna be fine it's gonna be fine it's It's not that deep it's (laughs) yeah yeah i know i have to remind myself constantly it's not that deep it's not that deep But anyway, yes. So anxiety dreams about the prize wheel will probably haunt my nightmares until. (laughs) I am so excited to see the prize wheel. I wish I could spin it. I want to go. I love that stuff. It's fun. I will. I will send you a video. No, I want to get a prize wheel for the event that's coming up at my work. (laughs) They're so fun. Like. (laughs) I love that. Anyway, so that's what's up with me. How are you? What's up with you? <laughs> what have you been up to? Honestly, um, I, I've been pretty good. Pretty good. I've been also very stressed out. Uh, also work-related. Like, not like I've got a ton going on or anything. I don't know. You know the deal. I know the deal. You know the deal. But um, mm-hmm. 
I, I finally got to a good place. Like I was so stressed out. I was only, um, I was like only watching how I met your mother again for like the millionth time and Bob uh-huh, comfort food. <laughs> those are two, those are two shows that I can fall asleep to on my couch very easily. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's shows I like better, but they like capture my attention too much and I end up wanting to watch them. But those are two shows that I've seen enough. It's like, I can just fall asleep and it's very comforting. I yeah. finally got to a place where I could like start a new show. Yeah. And I'm doing it. And I'm, what are I'm you gonna watching watch? The Last of Us. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I love that show. Oh, I was avoiding it so hard because I was like, I don't want to cry. I'm not in a place where I want to get emotional about stuff. So I actually ended up reading all like a bunch of spoilers and asking mm-hmm. my sister to tell me like what happens because I just couldn't. I was like, it sounds so great. And I really wanted to watch it. And I was like, I just I, I'm not in an emotional place. And The Last of Us is super emotional. Yeah. And it's anxiety inducing because it's like, you know, the apocalypse. You're like, who's uh-huh. going to die? Game of, Like I've mentioned on this podcast before that Game of Thrones pretty much ruined me for. Oh, and mm-hmm. Squid Game. Oh, my God. That was another one where it was. Oh, just my God. Talk about like. Ooh. So intense. And so I just let myself read spoilers and get told spoilers. And I just got to enjoy the show. And it was still so good. And I didn't mm-hmm. cry. <laughs> Well, it is it is more relaxing because like they're they're following the plot of the game pretty closely, and I loved the game. So like, so I'm wa- so I'm watching it, and I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is this is really really well done, and but you can just relax and enjoy it because you already know what happens. Well, like, I went to go buy the game. I was like, this okay. First of all, the show's just so great. I am obsessed with Bella Ramsey. They are a oh, phenomenal actor. Just yeah. So good, so sassy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely mm-hmm. love that, like kick-ass, like snotty teenager kind of oh. thing. Perfect, they they're perfect. And um, on obviously Pedro Pascal is like daddy. <laughs> He's daddy. <laughs> He's your slutty daddy. <laughs> He's your slutty daddy. <laughs> He's all our slutty daddy. I am also obsessed with him. They are perfect together. They're so cute. Um. So I went to go buy the game. I was like, I'm just going to go buy it, whatever. Uh, and it's not it's not even on Steam yet. This is why I haven't never played it. And I remember when um, oh. I, think, I think you were playing it and I was interested, but it's only on PlayStation. Yeah, it's a PlayStation exclusive. So, and Steam- you, Oh, you have an Xbox. You're an Xbox person. I was that and like PC. I preferred a game on PC. Mm-hmm. So yeah, should, so that's I, mean, why I never had it. Mm-hmm. And Steam is going to release it, but it's not out yet gotcha genius and also i realized that like it's gonna be it's like an old game that's gonna be super expensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) but or not super expensive i think it was like 60 bucks which is kind of normal for that game but it's funny because it's like old it's so old usually by the time a game is that is like as old as the last of us is like the, the price has dropped to like 30 bucks i was like uh 60 dollars and then it wasn't even available (laughs) I got to I got to tell you though when it is available the game it's it's worth it. It's a really fun game. Like the gameplay yeah. is really good. Um the gameplay is also a little anxiety inducing. I remember when I was playing it that um our friend Chris had to play the Mentos commercial song for me to keep <laughs> me in Aww. like a a okay headspace cuz well, cuz it's it's for it's a zombie game, right? So yeah. you're like you're creeping around 
and like and you and it's it's really fun because you find it because you want to conserve ammo right so you yeah. find stuff on the ground to hit the zombies with. <laughs> oh i love it nice so you like you pick up a brick and you and you take them to Bricktown. like you you <laughs> smash that's what that's what chris kept calling it that. no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> take them to Bricktown <laughs> and like like so so i would just grab these bricks and smash on zombies while fresh goes better fresh <laughs> goes better <laughs> i don't know why it helped me so much but it was so it was so chipper that's and, so uh, funny i'm excited because the main zombie games i played are like um left for dead and that one's yeah. just so it's it's almost supposed it's supposed to be kind of a comedy Mm-hmm. And it's very silly. And The Last of Us just seems more dramatic, like more more cinematic, more like a like a storyline. Well, I don't know. Left for Dead, Left for Dead has a really good storyline too. I'm, yeah, so mad at Valve for not being able to count past two, and none of their games ever get a third. <laughs> ever get a third one release? I also actually uh, replayed ha- Half Dead, Half Dead. Oh my god, Half Life, Half Life. <laughs> Half for dead, uh, half life too. It was so good, and it made me mad all over again that they're making a Last of Us show, but they're not making a Half Life show. How oh, so cool. I know that would be such a cool show. So I am um, manifesting this. Mm-hmm. Please, just Half Life is so good. Actually, you know what? No, it'd be so good. And I, I, it deserves to have the story finish. <laughs> I want to know what happens. <laughs> They'll do it eventually, maybe. Those <laughs> when I they're know. not so busy, like, making Steam Deck yeah. uh, stuff. <laughs> you bastard. I feel very strongly about Half-Life. It was such a fun, mm-hmm. such a fun game. Anyway, so yeah, uh, The Last of Us, amazing what um what uh, how far are you in the show? Like are you caught up? I'm caught up, but as of right now, that means I've watched episode up to episode six. So I think there's only like two more coming out. Mm-hmm. So by the time this comes out, it'll be over. Yep. And they seem like they're on pace to like do the entire first game in yeah. a season. Cause like, cause okay, you know, cool. like well when when you when you cut out when you when you fighting. cut out all of the zombie fighting. That's um, something I was gonna say. It's so funny because I keep watching it, and there's like these perfect op- opportunities for it to be a cutscene into like the zombies are coming to attack now, and you have to uh-huh. shoot to fight them. But there are only there's only been like one moment where they're actually fighting zombies, and I'm a little disappointed. It, I know it's a video game, and I'm just like waiting for the horde to come. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, you're waiting for like the wave, the wave survival portion. <laughs> yes, of and it, it to start, come and I'm like. Ah, I mean, it's still, it's fine, but I think they're saving because, you know, you don't want to do that too much in a TV show. Otherwise you kind of like people get too used to it. And there is one specific fight that I'm thinking of um, toward the end of the game that I think they're saving. Ooh, I think they're saving the big zombie fight for this specific bit, or at least that's Uh what I'm hoping. Cause I remember it was the most stressful part of the entire game. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I I got over the anxiety of it and also stopped reading spoilers because 
I'm just in a better headspace now. I'm so <laughs> glad because the I'm I'm glad you. So you don't know the end. You don't know the end of the plot line yet, right? Uh-uh, no, I don't okay. know. Okay, I am so excited. Should I read spoilers? <laughs> no, I think okay. I genuinely. If you're in, if you're in a, if you're in a place where you can accept uncertainty, yeah, I think so. <laughs> at the moment, I think it'll be okay. Then, then I think it is. I think the ending pays off so much better if you aren't expecting it. Okay, cool. I was also gonna mention I am put I put a little recipe in the giveaway. Um, mm-hmm. I decided to do Irish soda bread so you can have like an offering to the fairies if you're gonna be oh, drinking perfect. out of their wine goblets. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good call. Right. And Irish soda bread is perfect and it's delicious and it's super, super easy to make. Um, and I was gonna ask you what your favorite Irish like dish was, or if you're planning on making anything special this year. Probably not. I honestly I can't think of any dish that's like specifically Irish off of the top of my head. I usually make like a Guinness beef stew mm-hmm. for St. Patrick's Day mm-hmm. because I really like beef stew. Hell yeah. <laughs> so that's if I do anything, it'll probably be that. But but St. Patrick's Day this year is the um, day before I head to the conference to set up our booth. Oh, oh, that's a bummer. So I don't think I'm going to be doing anything. I think I'm going to be like going to bed doing early. some stressed out last minute crying and putting oh. together what needs to happen. It's just, 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 I know me. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate. So- after yeah exactly um so at some point this month i'll treat myself to a nice uh to a nice guinness beef stew hell yeah i feel like you should do that just more often throughout the winter because that sounds amazing um i i have been making this is a total tangent but i have been making like a dutch oven um a dutch oven beef stew that i really like i know it is fancy you should send me the recipe you're such a great cook your food is amazing oh my gosh i appreciate that i work really hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you should definitely send me the recipe and I'll send you the recipe for the Irish soda bread and you can eat it yes, with your, it, technically it's my mom's Irish soda bread. I don't know, like whatever. It's your, it's your recipe now. She usually <laughs> makes it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a family but recipe. It's, it's really good. You like soak the raisins mm-hmm. in rum and it makes them all plump and delicious. Mm. So like, it's like a dry bread, not like super dry, but like a dry bread. And then you get these like pops of like, raisins that just like i don't know it's so good that sounds amazing yes we will trade we will trade recipes and it'll be fun why don't you tell me an irish tale i would be delighted to do so that whiskey is sitting real nice so hopefully i don't slur my words too badly (laughs) um i could not believe because last year last year we had three regular feed episodes in March because that's just how it shook out yeah. and our bonus episode for the for oh nice was in March so I feel like last year we did so many Irish fairy tales and this I year know. this year we're already done this is our last episode of March so we're all it's I already over that. I was like man it feels like we'd usually do a lot more Irish fairy tales but yeah. Well, last year, I, last year was just special, just the way, just the way all of the timing shook out. So, I'm a little bummed. So that's why I'm actually I'm going to do two. Ooh, okay. One. The, this first one is a little. It's a little aperitif, a mm. little, a little amuse bouche. 
of Irish folk tales. And I, I, I wanted to pick things specifically for you. Thank you. So I found this on a website called askaboutireland.ie. And it's a website that is actually run by the Irish Public Library System. Nice. Yeah. And they just have a couple of folktales that are just on it. Amazing. We'll uh, put those in our show notes for sure. Kelsey, you were going to get one prediction because the story is two paragraphs long. <laughs> okay. One prediction. It, it is called The Talking Cat. Fuck yes. <laughs> Oh my God, you love me. I do. Okay, my prediction is that the talking cat is sassy. Okay. There was a farmer driving home to Timahoe from the fair in Port Leisha. When he came to the crossroads at Money, his cart was violently tilted up, and he looked back to see that a black cat had jumped over the tailboard. As the horse could not draw the cart with the shafts up in the air, the farmer said to the cat, either get out, please, or come here beside me. The cat moved up and sat beside the farmer upon the far side of the slat. As they came to the next crossroads, the cat said to the farmer, tell Boomin that Pretty Man is dead, and thereupon jumped out of the cart and disappeared. (laughs) I love it. That's my dream. Why doesn't this happen to me? (laughs) You don't live in Ireland. Oh, man. I was born in the wrong era and the wrong You were. You're not a folksy farmer driving a horse-drawn cart down an Irish country lane. And that's why why this stuff doesn't happen to you. (laughs) (laughs) The farmer went home. And while he was having a meal, he told his experience to his wife. When he came to repeat what the cat had said, their own cat, who was sitting at the hearth, rose up and gave three loud cries. She rushed out of the house and was never seen again. The <gasps> end. Ah, that was a perfect fairy tale. It was so good. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? So good. Oh, except I'd be really mad if my cat just like left. Yeah. <laughs> I never but, saw her again. But I love the implication so much that there is a secret world of cats. There is. Uh, there and- is. Yeah, just that this cat has her own name that th- that the humans don't know. Yep, and that she's listening to them when they talk, and so this was a way of of cats passing messages to each other. <laughs> That's so good. I love mm-hmm. it. I don't think the cat was sassy, so I don't. No, the cat a- was pretty informative. But I love that, and I also love that he was like that. Uh, he was like, "Well, pass or get up here." <laughs> That'd be me. yeah. Come here. <laughs> Come here, puss puss. <laughs> oh, I do. I said every single cat I see ever. That's my superpower, by the way. I don't know if I've ever told you this. My superpower what? is being able to like, every time I see, like every time there's a cat around me, I can see it. And I point it out usually to you Adam play. and I go, cat. <laughs> cat. <laughs> it's like in How I Met Your Mother with the Zitch Dog thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also want to note that the original story, um, it said that it originally said when he came to repeat what the cat had said, their own pussy. 
who was sitting at the hearth. <laughs> uh, but I changed it in the reading because I am a child and I don't think I could have read that without laughing a little bit. Just say cat. <laughs> Just say cat. <laughs> you teach your idea. <laughs> I can't, I can't handle all these cocks and pussies <laughs> in all these old timey folksy stories. <laughs> oh, just the best. That was perfect. Do you have any fixes? Nope. Yeah. How could you? That's so good. How could I? That was perfect. It was, it was, it was excellent. I do. I, I want to know more. I want to know where she's off to and what happened. <laughs> I kind of like that. It's very ambiguous because it's yeah. not for humans to know. Yeah, that's fair. So Ugh. that's. <laughs> so you're welcome for that. Thank you. You love me. <laughs> I do love you. And I have a second story that's quite a bit longer okay. that I think you will also love. This one is called The Giant's Stairs. The Giant's Stairs. I love giants. Um, and I'm reading this one from Fairy and Folk Tales of Ireland, edited by W.B. Yeats. And uh, the story is from T. Crofton Croker. Okay. Do I get three predictions for this one? Or just two? Yes. Yeah, you get, you get three. It's long enough where three is warranted. Okay, the giant's stairs. Uh, my first prediction is someone's going to climb those stairs who is not a giant. So okay, a, a medium-sized person. <laughs> Yeah, okay. A smaller person than a giant will climb those stairs. Fair enough. Okay, I like it. <laughs> and my second prediction is I'm gonna predict that it's a mean giant. I'm being I feel like that's really safe, but I'm gonna go crazy on this third one, okay? Okay, I love it. Go on. <laughs> my third prediction is that there's magic food. Okay. Magic, magic food <laughs> mean giant someone climbs the stairs that's not a giant yes a smaller person than the giant will climb the stairs okay <laughs> okay i love that i love that very much um while you were making your predictions i was also looking up um another very irish word <laughs> that i <laughs> forgot how to pronounce in between sessions so hopefully <laughs> Hopefully I've, hopefully I've got any of these right, but. I wouldn't know anyway, so. You, don't have you to wouldn't know that. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You're telling me the story, so it's fine. It's fine. Whew, okay. So um, the Giant's Stairs is from the Giant's section of the book. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to read a quick little note that uh, the editor put in between, put at the beginning of this section. So when the pagan gods of Ireland robbed of worship and offerings grew smaller and smaller in the popular imagination until they turned into fairies, the pagan heroes grew bigger and bigger until they turned into giants. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. So with that said, here is the giant's stairs. On the road between Passage and Cork, there is an old mansion called Renane's Court. 
It may be easily known from the stack of chimneys and the gable ends, which are to be seen. Look at it which way you will. This is, it's one of those Irish stories where like, I swear I read this ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. No, mine's going to be the same way. Don't worry. Say, saying it out loud is just like, it, there's a difference between reading it and saying it out loud. <laughs> there is. Just get a little bit of an Irish accent in there and then it'll, and it'll, it'll help get you it. along. Look at it which way you will. Just imagine there you're an old Irish man with a cane and like you got a hat and you're telling the greatest story you've ever heard. Hang on. Let me Between take a big Cork. gulp of my Guinness. I think it'll help. Yes. It absolutely will help. <laughs> it may be easily known from the stack of chimneys and the gable ends which are to be seen look at it which way you will here it was that maurice renane and his wife margaret gould kept house as may be learned to this day from the great old chimney piece on which is carved their arms awesome so like their sigil mm-hmm. they were a mighty worthy couple and had but one son who was called philip after no less a person than the king of Spain. These people also have pretensions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think they know the king of Spain. (laughs) Probably not, but it does sound like they're like a couple that people admire. Yeah. Based on the story. They're rich people for sure. Yeah. Immediately on his smelling the cold air of this world, the child sneezed, which was naturally taken to be a good sign of his having a clear head. And the subsequent rapidity of his learning was truly amazing. For on the first day, a primer was put into his hands. He tore out the ABC page and destroyed it as a thing quite beneath his notice. Hmm. No wonder then that both father and mother were proud of their heir, who gave such indisputable proof of genius, or as they called it in that part of the world, genus. Nice. Or genus. <laughs> Everybody thinks that about their kids. Absolutely. Every everybody <laughs> thinks their kid is a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Unless they think their kid is a fucking idiot and there's really no <laughs> there's really no middle ground. No in between. <laughs> there's no in between. <laughs> no one's realistic about their children is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> this is Abby's hot takes and you can direct your angry emails nowhere. <laughs> I don't want to hear them. <laughs> Just tweet at her. <laughs> do not <laughs> that's what that exists for right sure yeah hot takes hot takes are for twitter that's that's for damn sure <laughs> one morning however master phil who was then just seven years old was missing and no one could tell what had become of him servants were sent in all directions to seek him on horseback and on foot but they returned without any tidings of the boy whose disappearance altogether was most unaccountable a large reward was offered but it produced them no intelligence and years rolled away without mr and mrs renane having obtained any satisfactory account of the fate of their lost child Oh, seven. That's really sad. I know. It's a long time. Did the Giants adopt him? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm making additional predictions as the story goes. There lived at this time near Carrigaline one Robert Kelly, a blacksmith by trade. He was what is termed a handyman, and his abilities were held in much estimation by the lads and lasses of the neighborhood for independent of shoeing horses, which he did to great perfection, and making plow irons, 
He interpreted dreams for the young women, sung Arthur O'Bradley at their weddings, and was so good-natured a fellow at a christening that he was gossip to half the country around. I love this old man telling this story, just being like, yeah, he was the best, and it was the best was family, the best. and just... <laughs> He knew this old ass song and (laughs) (laughs) he could interpret dreams. He was cool. Now it happened that Robin had a dream himself and young Philip Renane appeared to him in it at the dead hour of the night. Robin thought he saw the boy mounted upon a beautiful white horse and that he told him how he was made a page to the great giant. Oh, a page, a page, my pretty little pet. (laughs) I will adopt you. <laughs> what a sweet little pet you, you are. You're just a tiny little thing. Uh-huh. Philip Renane appears to Robin upon a beautiful white horse, and he tells him how he was made a page to the giant Mahan McMahon, who had carried him off and who held his court in the hard heart of the rock. The seven years, my time of service, are clean out, Robin, said he, and if you release me this night, I will be the making of you forever after. And how will I know, said Robin, cunning enough, even in his sleep, that this isn't a dream. Take that, said the boy, for a token. And at the word, the white horse struck out with one of his hind legs and gave poor Robin such a kick in the forehead that, (laughs) thinking he was a dead man, he roared as loud as he could after his brains and woke up calling a thousand murders. <laughs> With a giant horseshoe print on his face. Hey, that's literally exactly what happens. He wakes up in bed and he's got a horseshoe print on his Oof. forehead, red as blood. Oh. And Robin Kelly, who never before found himself puzzled at the dream of any other person, didn't know what to do with his own. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be quite shocking. Mm-hmm. He probably has a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> That explains a lot of what happens in the rest of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Just it's either magic or Robin Kelly has a concussion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know how I'm imagining the story. That's for sure. (laughs) Poor man got kicked in the face, but by a horse, by a dream horse though. So I don't know. It's that is red as blood. It probably is blood. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine that it's blood filling the bruise on this man's oh, forehead. Give me a headache just thinking about it. Well, and I love that it it calls out that it's like, if a horse kicks you in the head, you're dead. You're dead. You're done. Yeah. It's over for you. Like, or or you're in a coma, I guess, at best. <laughs> okay, so dream horse, a little softer, just concussion. Yeah, it taps him in the forehead and he just gets a concussion. <laughs> that's rude also you're you're asking this man to come save you and you like have your horse kick him in the face right you want to know if this is real whap whap (laughs) fucking rude i would i wouldn't go get that kid he's it's you know it's a he's a kid okay you know them kids fuck those kids seven years right he's like 14 yeah fuck that kid (laughs) Shitty teenager. Stay home. He's not gonna. Aww. Yeah, he's we'd have no story. <laughs> so Robin was well acquainted with the giant stairs, as indeed who is not that knows the harbor. 
They consist of great masses of rock, which piled one above another, rise like a flight of steps from very deep water against the bold cliff of Carrigmayan. Nor are they badly suited for stairs to those who have legs of sufficient length to climb over a moderate-sized house. I should have predicted that the giant stairs was a real place. (laughs) You should have. Oh, man, I'm so (laughs) mad at myself. That would have been a really good prediction. Fuck. It's an Irish fairy tale. If they reference a location, it's the origin story of the location. This is why I suck at predictions. I'm just, ugh, anyway. I don't think, I mean, when I was reading the story, I didn't think that it was a real place either. Yeah, but that's uh, that's so, like, obvious when you when you get to it. Anyway. When you get to it, yeah, absolutely. They are not badly suited for stairs to those who have legs of sufficient length to stride over a moderate-sized house or to enable them to clear the space of a mile in a hop, step, and a jump. Both of these feats, the giant McMahon was said to have performed in the days of Finian glory and the common tradition of the country placed his dwelling within the cliff upon whose side the stairs led. Such was the impression which the dream made on Robin that he determined to put the truth to the test. It occurred to him, however, before setting out on this adventure, that a plow iron may be no bad companion, as from experience, he knew it was an excellent knockdown argument, having on more occasions than one settled a, a disagreement very quietly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's hit a lot of people with this plow, with this plow iron. <laughs> <laughs> And so, putting one on his shoulder, off he marched in the cool of the evening through the Hawks Glen to Monkstown. Here, an old gossip of his, Tom Clancy by name, hmm, lived. Tom Clancy sounds familiar. It, well, I, there is a, um, there's an author whose last name is Clancy. I feel like we need to start writing these names down because they're all like around the same area. I bet we overlap with some stories. That's oh my gosh, you're probably right. That's actually really funny because it's also like Tom Clancy is an old gossip, you know. Uh-huh. So Tom Tom Clancy is the drunk guy at the bar telling all of these stories. Tom Clancy's the man. Tom Clancy is the man. The MVP. Anyway, Tom Clancy lives in Monkstown, and when Robin tells him his dream, he tells him that he will take him to the giant stairs on his skiff after a supper, which was of the best. The story is careful to note. Mm, yeah it it's was. a it was real good Abby's supper guinness beef stew <laughs> oh hell yeah i you know if i do say so myself that shit is delicious <laughs> <laughs> so after a good supper they go uh on tom clancy's skiff so it's a beautiful still night and the little boat glides swiftly along the regular dip of the oars the distant song of the sailor and sometimes the voice of a belated traveler at the ferry of carigolo alone broke the quietness of the land and sea and sky. The tide was in their favor, and in a few minutes, Robin and his gossip rested upon their oars under the dark shadow of the giant stairs. Very beautiful imagery, too. Oh, yeah. This, like, especially, like, as he, like, you'll see, it gets really gorgeous and also creepy. Ooh. Robin looked anxiously for the entrance to the giant's palace, which, it was said, may be found by anyone seeking it at midnight, but no such entrance could he see. 
His impatience had hurried him there before that time, and after waiting a considerable space in a state of suspense not to be described, Robin, with pure vexation, could not but help exclaiming to his companion, "'Tis a pair of fools we are, Tom Clancy, for coming here at all on the strength of a dream." And whose doing is it, said Tom, but your own. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, Tom Tom is spot on. At the moment he spoke, they perceived a faint glimmering of light to proceed from the cliff, which gradually increased until a porch big enough for a king's palace unfolded itself almost on a level with the water. They pulled the skiff directly toward the opening and Robin Kelly, seizing his plow iron, boldly entered with a strong hand and a stout heart. (laughs) And a plow iron. (laughs) And a plow iron. (laughs) Ready to hit somebody with it. Ready to hit that horse in the face. (laughs) Absolutely. You know what? This is not a rescue mission. It's a vendetta against a specific horse. (laughs) (laughs) And that kid. Because I bet it was And that fucking kid. Piece of shit. (laughs) That's how I'm going to fix the story. I've come to beat up the piece of shit 14-year-old. <laughs> Fuck you, kid. Wow. <laughs> Kick me, will you? <laughs> In my dreams? Come on, man. <laughs> you couldn't have just pinched me or something or, I don't know, gave me Sit some here, gold? Beasley. Yeah, man. Give me some whiskey? <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> splash me with water and kick me in the face with your whores. Jesus. <laughs> That's my fix for the whole story. I fucking love it. <laughs> Wild and strange was that entrance, the whole of which appeared formed of grim and grotesque faces, blending so strangely with the other that it was impossible to define any. The chin mm. of one formed the nose of another. What appeared to be a fixed and stern eye, if dwelt upon, changed to a gaping mouth and the lines of the lofty forehead grew into a majestic and flowing beard. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's fucking creepy. Like and that's what you get for drinking the fairy wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what you get. That's what happens. You end up at the entrance to a giant's mountain lair, and the entrance is made of a million faces. Then again, I don't know, giant or giant's... Do they do giant do Irish giants have fairy powers? They usually do in other You'll see. Oh uh, I love You it. will see. <laughs> the more Robin allowed himself to contemplate the forms around him, the more terrific they became. And the stony expression of this crowd of faces assumed a savage ferocity as his imagination converted feature after feature into a different shape and character. Losing the twilight in which these indefinite forms were visible, he advanced through a dark and devious passage, whilst a deep and rumbling noise sounded as if the rock was about to close upon him and swallow him alive forever. (laughs) I know. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) So now, indeed, poor Robin felt afraid. Which, yeah... (laughs) Robin, Robin, said he, if you were a fool for coming here, what in the name of fortune are you now? But as before, he had scarcely spoken when he saw a small light twinkling through the darkness of the distance like a star in the midnight sky. To retreat was out of the question, for so many turnings and windings were in the passage that he considered he had but little chance of making his way back. He therefore 
proceeded toward the bit of light and came at last into a spacious chamber from the roof of which hung the solitary lamp that had guided him. Emerging from such profound gloom, the single lamp afforded Robin abundant light to discover several gigantic figures seated round a massive stone table, as if in serious deliberation, but no word disturbed the breathless silence which prevailed. Okay, first of all, that the lamp thing is totally giving me like haunted, like Disney haunted mansion vibes. I'm imagining yeah. like a candelabra floating down the hallway. Abs- oh my God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which I love. How scary would that be to like come upon a bunch of giants having a meeting? <laughs> but like no one's talking. Like it's just figures in sort of illuminated by a single lamp and none of them are moving, but they're huge. Is it like they're stones? They're stone giants. Tell me more. At the head of this table sat Mahan McMahon himself, whose majestic beard had taken root and in the course of ages grown into the stone slab. A giant with a majestic beard? Yes, please. Yes, please. I'm Sign in love. Up. What was his name again? Uh, Mahan McMahon. Mahan McMahon. That's the coolest name ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me more about him. Uh, you got it. So his beard has grown into the stone table that he's sitting at. That's super Why? hot. He was the first who perceived Robin and instantly starting up, drew his long beard from out the huge piece of rock in such haste and with so sudden a jerk that it was shattered into a thousand pieces. Fuck yeah, of course it would. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the mountain itself moving. Uh-huh. It's Suddenly. cool. It's like, I wonder if like, he's just been there so long and then he's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> what seek you? He demanded in a voice of thunder. I come answered Robin with as much boldness as he could put on for his heart was almost fainting within him. <laughs> I his little like plow thing. He's <laughs> like, swing. I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> Don't come any closer. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to stop talking. This is so good. I love this so much. Okay. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I thought this story was so fucking cool when I read it earlier. So good. I come, said he, to claim Philip Renane, whose time of service is out this night. And who sent you here, said the giant. Twas of my own accord I came, said Robin. Then you must single him out from among my pages, said the giant. And if you fix on the wrong one, your life is forfeit. Follow me. And he led Robin into a hall of vast extent and filled with lights, along either side of which were rows of beautiful children, all apparently seven years old and none beyond that age. Oh, so so Philip is still seven. He's still seven. He's frozen in age. Neat. He's frozen in time. None beyond that age dressed in green and every one dressed exactly alike. Here, said Mahan, you are free to take Philip Renane if you will. But remember, I give but one choice. Robin was sadly perplexed for there were hundreds upon hundreds of children and he had no very clear recollection of the boy he sought. 
it's a dream, you know? Yeah. It's fuzzy. He's got a concussion. He's got, and he has a fucking concussion because a horse kicked him in the head. Most of the kids look the same. That's so sad. I know. It's, it's genuinely very creepy. I'm, I'm less, less in love with, <laughs> I already forgot. Mayan McMahon. <laughs> Man. <laughs> less in love. Why do you need all those seven year olds? What a, what a question. What an interesting question that is. <laughs> what do you need with all the seven-year-olds? <laughs> Robin walked along the hall by the side of Mayan as if nothing was the matter, although his great iron dress clanked fearfully at every step, sounding louder than Robin's own sledge battering on his anvil. They had nearly reached the end without speaking, when Robin, seeing that the only means he had was to make friends with the giant, determined to try what effect a few soft words might have. I love it. Go on. "'Tis a fine, wholesome appearance the poor children carry," remarked Robin. "'Although they have been here so long shut out from the fresh air and the blessed light of heaven, "'tis tenderly your honor must have reared them." <laughs> a nice-looking uh, herd of sheep you got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must have uh, been real gentle with their upbringing for them to still look so good. <laughs> I said the giant, that is true for you. So give me your hand for you are, I believe, a very honest fellow for a blacksmith. He's, he's easily <laughs> he's, flattered. Easily flattered. Just like, yes, well, thank you. You must oh have gosh, good. Thank days. you. Exactly. You must know your seven year olds. <laughs> you know your stuff. <laughs> you know your seven year olds. <laughs> Robin, at the first look, did not much like the huge size of the hand, and therefore presented his plow iron, which the giant seized and twisted in his grasp round and round again as if it had been a potato stalk. On seeing this, all the children set up a shout of laughter, and in the midst of their mirth, Robin thought he heard his name called. And all ear and eye, he put his hand on the boy who he fancied had spoken, crying out at the same time, let me live or die for it. But this is young Phil Renane. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It is Philip Renane. Happy Philip Renane, said his young companions. And in an instant, the hall became dark. Crashing noises were heard, and all was in strange confusion, but Robin held fast his prize and found himself lying in the gray dawn of the morning at the head of the giant stairs with the boy clasped in his arms. Aww. Oh, I know. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Robin had plenty of gossips to spread the story of his wonderful adventure. <laughs> Passage, Monkstown, Carrigaline, the whole barony rung with it. <laughs> Especially Tom Clancy, who gave him the ride. Hell yeah, Tom Clancy was the first one to go gossiping about it. <laughs> he made many a person buy him a fucking beer before he'd tell them the story. <laughs> <laughs> Are you quite sure, Robin, that it's young Phil Renane you have brought back with you? Was the regular question. For although the boy had been seven years away, his appearance now was just the same as on the day he was missed. He had neither grown taller nor older in look, and he spoke of things which had happened before he was carried off as one awakened from sleep, or as if they had occurred yesterday. Fairy magic. 
Yep. Fairy, fairy magic. Pretty typical. Kind of the same as with Ethna and yep. her and her year of fairy parties. <laughs> Before her many years of non-fairy parties with her husband. Yeah. That woman's <laughs> life is a nonstop party. <laughs> Am I sure? Well, that's a queer question, was Robin's reply. Seeing the boy has the blue eyes of the mother with the foxy hair of the father to say nothing of the purty wart on the right side of his little nose. However, Robin Kelly may have been questioned. The worthy couple of Renane's court doubted not that he was the deliverer of their child from the power of the giant McMahon and the reward they bestowed on him equaled their gratitude. Philip Renane lived to be an old man, and he was remarkable to the day of his death for his skill in working brass and iron, which it was believed he had learned during his seven years' apprenticeship to the giant Mayan McMahon. Ah, cool. <laughs> That's so cool. That's a cute little tidbit at the very end. <laughs> yeah, I do like that you get like a little history of like, and then Philip was fine, and he was a fantastic fucking blacksmith. Because yeah. of his seven-year apprenticeship to a giant. So I like that idea that he's not holding these children hostage forever. He's just giving them an apprenticeship. He's teaching them. I don't know. <laughs> I think the implication is that if no one comes to rescue them, they are there forever. Yeah. Because there are hundreds of children. Yeah, that's crazy. In his in his fortress. Super like, creepy. Yeah. It though. I'm sad. Uh, I'm sad Robin didn't get revenge and get to <laughs> see the white horse and kick him in the face or whatever. But, you know, that's a good fix for the story. I didn't really have one <laughs> um, <laughs> because I because I like I liked it a lot. I thought that was really creepy. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. And it has a happy ending. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine like not having your child for like your child's been m- missing for seven years and nope. then they come back and they're exactly the same age as when they left? Or yeah, passing. that's wild. And like and they they don't appear to have really aged at all, like even in yeah. even in spirit, like that he remembers everything as if it was yesterday. Like he he's been yeah. sleeping for seven years, essentially spooky yeah and it's like i love i love the sort of creepy descent into the giant's fortress and the giant's beard growing into the mm-hmm. <laughs> imagining is a giant stone conference table yeah oh my gosh yes <laughs> like they're having a board meeting <laughs> that rob and kelly has interrupted <laughs> oh man I love that. I love that. I also love how the giant's like just part of the mountain. Like maybe he hasn't moved for so long. Mm hmm. <laughs> uh, amazing. Very cool. Very uh, beautiful, picturesque writing. And as always, using real places and real names and stuff is just the best. I love it. Heck yeah. I love like, oh, Irish fairy tales are so much fun. Mm hmm. 10 out of 10. Um, so I wrote a smaller person will climb those stairs. Did he climb the stairs or was he just there? Unclear. I think he, I think, I think he climbs the stairs. Cause like, that's the whole point. Yeah. Right. But I think the entrance, the entrance helps him do it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Do I get a point for that one? I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to give it to you. Okay. Would you say he was a mean giant? <laughs> I He's mean, he keeping hundreds that. of children prisoner. <laughs> so, yes. 
got two points. There was no magic food, sadly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's two points for you. I think right. kidnapping hundreds of children and holding them hostage is pretty mean. That's mean. Or is it just they're like, I mean, if you're a fey creature, that's just what you do. Is it more <laughs> No, that's pretty mean. It's still pretty mean. You know, I even mean, if it's mean. in your nature to be mean, I think that's still mean. <laughs> okay, cool. I got two points. Uh thank you. That was amazing. Both of them. You're welcome. I know I know you love a giant tail. Okay. I've had my half shot of Jameson's. Cool. And I'm ready to tell you a story called Hanlon's Mill. So um, Hanlon's Mill is in the section of our, uh, the fairy tale Bible. What is okay. it called? Irish Fairy and Folk Tales. It is in the section of Banshees. Banshees. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Hmm. How many predictions do I get? The three. All three. All right. For the first one, it's a family banshee. Family banshee. Okay. She's haunting someone specific with a premonition of their death. Isn't that all banshees? <laughs> Is it? You know what? I actually don't like I've read the Wikipedia page on Banshees. Oh, it's so funny because I did Banshees when we talked to um when we did uh you know our crossover episode. Yes. <laughs> and I can't remember. I can't remember if they always do if they're all premonition, like death premonitions. Or- you know, I'm not sure. But they're female. So a banshee is a female spirit in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member, usually by screaming, wailing, shrieking, or keening. Her name is connected to the mythologically important tumuli or mounds that dot the Irish countryside, which are known as a side or seed in old Irish. Um, That was from Wikipedia, by the way. Full credit. I don't know that stuff on my own. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, yeah, okay. Okay, so we're all on my predictions, just basic banshee shit then, and I should start over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you predict? Let me see. Uh, that it's a family banshee. She's haunting someone specific, and it's a premonition of their death. I would say I wouldn't bank all of my predictions on the banshee, but those are fine. I'll allow all those. I'll, I'll, switch, I'll switch my third one then. Okay. Midnight is important in this story. Midnight is important. Okay. And without further ado, (laughs) Hanlon's Mill. I also did find it on libraryireland.com, which is really helpful because it's kind of helpful having it on the computer versus having the book in my hand. Absolutely. But yeah, it is in the book. That's where I found it. One fine summer's evening, Michael Noonan went over to Jack Bryan's, the shoemaker, at Ballyduff for the pair of brogues which Jack was mending for him. So he's fixing Ooh. his shoes. Okay. <laughs> and this is one of those stories that tells you like every name and every place of every single Fuck person. Fuck yeah. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love Irish stories. <laughs> Me too. 
It was a pretty walk by the way he took, but very lonesome, all along the riverside, down by the oak wood, till he came to Hanlon's mill, that used to be anyway, but that had long gone to ruin many long years ago. Ooh, okay. Melancholy enough, the walls of that same mill looked. The great old wheel black with age, all covered over with moss and ferns, and the bushes all hanging down about it. There it stood, silent and motionless, and a sad contrast it was to its former busy clack, with the stream which once gave it use rippling idly along. Oh, okay. I love that I love that it's a it's a ruin. Yeah. I was thinking something the a little old, different. The old creepy haunted mill. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Heck yeah. Okay. Old Hanlon. No, we're getting a little sidetracked, but old dot, Hanlon dot, dot was still lives there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just get a little history about what he was like, which is fun. So old Hanlon was a man that had great knowledge of all sorts. There was not a herb that grew in the field that he couldn't tell the name of it and its use out of a big book that he had written himself. Oh. Every word of it in the real Irish character. Nerd. <laughs> total, total botanist nerd. A fucking nerd. <laughs> uh, Maria's going to be really offended that you just said that. Well, I mean, Maria knows I love her. <laughs> Our very own botanist nerd. I mean, nerd incredibly affectionately. That's true. I, I mean, am we- also often called a nerd. You've called me a nerd many times. <laughs> I know every single time I call Adam a nerd, I laugh and then go, I have a fairy tale podcast. I'm allowed <laughs> to use that word. I am also a nerd. Exactly. Nerds can use the word. Uh, he even kept a school once and could teach Latin. That surely is a blessed tongue all over the wide world. And I hear tell us how the great Burke went to school to him. I don't this know. This is not dissuading me that he is a fucking nerd because he also teaches Latin. Which is a dead language. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I don't know who the great Burke is, but he sounds pretty great. He does. And Master Edmund lived up at the old house there, which was then in the family. And it was the Nagels that got it afterwards, but they sold it. But it was Michael (laughs) Noonan's walk I was speaking of. (laughs) So back to the story. It was fairly between lights. The day was clean gone and the moon was not yet up. When Mick, or Michael Noonan, who's now going to be known as Mick, was walking smartly across the inch. While he heard coming down out of the wood, such blowing of horns and hollowing, and the cry of all the hounds in the world, and he thought they were coming after him, and the galloping of horses, and the voice of the whisperin. And he's shouting just like the fine old song, Hollow Piper Lily Agus Finder. Sure. I, I think Hollow <laughs> Piper Lily Agus Finder is a song, but I don't know it. So, okay, cool. A little but that, that sounds right. It's also like, I don't know. I don't know the song referenced in my story either. Yeah. <laughs> but you sing and, it at weddings, apparently. Mm hmm. So, like, all of a sudden, he's at this creepy fucking haunted mill, and he just hears all of this crazy screaming. I am so excited. Is it the wild hunt? I mean, maybe? What's the wild hunt? Uh, 
I'm too drunk to answer this question. Um, okay. It's it's kind of fuzzy, but there are many different cultures that have stories about the wild hunt in them. Oh, is and, that like uh, when like hellhounds or whatever are coming to take you away? Yes, that's definitely one aspect of it. Um, it's something that happens on like especially mystical nights. So Halloween, for example, uh, where the wild hunt will ride across the sky. Oh, I love that. Let's say and, yes. It's that. <laughs> And they usually have like a bunch of different like fairy creatures, famous heroes, um, and then also people who have been abducted and pressed into service who ride with them. I don't know. I mean, I just assume it was the Banshee. (laughs) Okay. That's also probably true. (laughs) I'm getting excited. Uh, Okay. And the echo from over the gray rock across the river, giving back every word as plainly as it was spoken. But nothing could mix see, and the shouting and hallowing followed him every step of the way till he got up to Jack Bryan's door, and he was certain, too, he heard the clack of the old Hanlon's mill going through all the clatter. To be sure, he ran as fast as fear and his legs could carry him, and never once looked behind him, well knowing that the do. The Doohollow hounds were out in quite another corner that nothing good could come of that noise from Hanlon's mill. I love that. Also, I love the phrase like ran as fast as fear. Mm -hmm. That's a really good turn of phrase. That's pretty fast. (laughs) Well, Michael Noonan got his brogues and well healed they were and well pleased he was with them. When who should be seated at Jack Bryan's before him, but a gossip of his, one Darby <laughs> Haynes, a mighty decent man that had a horse and a cart of his own, and that used to be traveling with it, taking loads like the Royal Mail coach between Cork and Limerick. And when he was at home, Darby was a near neighbor of Michael Noonan's. I love that both of our stories have like an explicit person who says, this is the gossip. This yeah. is the town gossip. <laughs> This is the man, and he's a well-liked man, according yeah. to the story. Who doesn't love the town gossip? It's where you get all of the good shit from. <laughs> is it home you're going with the brogues this blessed night? Said Darby to Mick. Where else would it be? But by my word, tis not across the inch and back again I'm going. After all I heard coming here, tis no good that old Henlin's mill is busy again. Oh, Again. God. So this has Again. happened before. Ooh, yes. I love it. True for you, said Darby. And maybe you'd like to take the horse and car for me. Mick, by way of company, as tis along the road you go. I'm waiting here to see a sister's son of mine that I expect from Kilcolman. And of course, after being offered to like take a, a horse and cart, Mick says, uh, hell Yeah. With a thousand welcomes. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. Anything that will convey me faster. Absolutely. So Mick drove the car fair and easy, knowing that the poor beast had come off a long journey. And Mick, God reward him for it, was always tenderhearted and good to the dumb creatures. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is so rude. Why is everybody so So, sassy to horses? So rude. But also, like, I do like that they're pointing out that he's really gentle with animals. Yeah, we love Mick. Mm -hmm. We stand a man who likes animals. Yeah, likes animals and has good shoes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The night was a beautiful one. 
The moon was better than a quarter old, and Mick, looking up at her, could not help bestowing a blessing on her beautiful face, shining down so sweetly upon the gentle Abeg, which is the, the name of okay. the river. Okay. He had now got out of the open road and had come to where the trees grew on each side of it. He proceeded for some space in the half-and-half half light which the moon gave through them. At one time, when a big old tree got between him and the moon, it was so dark that he could hardly see the horse's head. Then, as he passed on, the moonbeams would stream through the open boughs and variegate the road with lights and shades. Mick was lying down in the car at his ease, having got clear of the plantation, and was watching the bright piece of moon in a little pool at the roadside, when he saw it disappear all of a sudden, as if a great cloud came over the sky. He turned around on his elbow to see if it was so, but Halmick was astonished at finding, close alongside of the car, a great high black coach, drawn by six black horses with long black tails, reaching Ooh. almost down to the ground. Oh. And a, mm-hmm, and a coachman, dressed all in black, sitting upon the box. But what surprised Mick the most was that he could see no sign of a head, either on the coachman or horses. That is so creepy. Yes, mm-hmm. I love a headless horseman. I know, me too. And six headless horses. Yes. Oh, my God. That's so freaky. <laughs> it swept rapidly by him, and he could perceive the horses raising their feet as if they were in a flying, slinging trot, coachman touching them up with his long whip, and, this, and the wheels spinning around like hottie dotties, <laughs> which hottie? I looked up, and I don't Hotties. know what hottie dotties are. Was looking it up not not uh, helpful? No, it was not. I could not figure out what hottie dotties was. Okay. When I looked it up, it was like like hot toddies. And that's not helpful. And like um a hen packed a hen pecked man. Oh, so like a short stocky dude. So I guess okay. maybe that makes sense. Like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I just got a bunch of like results for a hop dotty burger bar. Ooh. That sounds good. I wonder Is if that's a restaurant by? in the area. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it might be in Alabama. I don't know why it showed up <laughs> in my search results. Anyway. Anyway. So st- still he could hear no noise, only the regular step of his gossip Darby's horse and the squeaking of the gudgeons of the car that were as good as lost entirely for want of a little grease. So not only is he seeing this like huge like six black headless horses and a headless coachman, mm-hmm. but he doesn't hear them at all. My God, I love that. That's so creepy. I'm legitimately getting like like my um like the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up a little bit. It's so creepy. That's after all the creepy. wailing, <laughs> this poor mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, and apparently, like Mick's not even drunk in this story. He's just. Like trying to get his shoes. He's and go just home. haunted. He's just <laughs> trying to get his shoes. Poor Mick's heart almost died within him, but he said nothing. Only looked on, and the black coach swept away and was soon lost among some distant trees. Mick saw nothing more of it, or indeed of anything else. He got home just as the moon. So not anything else, but like he just doesn't see anything interesting afterwards. <laughs> oh my! God. When I yeah. first read that, I was like, "Did he die?" <laughs> he saw nothing more because right? he like, died yeah that makes sense so yeah no he just doesn't see anything like scary anymore that's good I think he's seen more than enough <laughs> <laughs> me too 
He got home just as the moon was going down behind Mount Hillary, took the tackling off the horse, turned the beast out in the field for the night, and got to his bed. Next morning, early, he was standing at the roadside thinking of all that had happened the night before, when he saw Dan Madden, that was Mr. Rickson's huntsman, coming on the master's best horse down the hill, as hard as he ever went with the tail of the hounds. Mick's mind instantly misgave him that all was not right, so he stood out in the very middle of the road and caught hold of Dan's bridle when he came up. Mm. Mick, dear, for the love of God, don't stop me, cried Dan. Why, what's the hurry, said Mick. Oh, the master, he's off, he's off. He'll never cross a horse again till the day of judgment. What? Why, what would ail his honor, said Mick. Sure it is no later than yesterday morning I was talking to him, and he's stout and hardy, and he says to me, Mick, says he, and he's interrupted. Stout oh and hardy God. was he, answered Madden. And then he was, and was he not out with me in the kennel last night when I was feeding the dogs? And didn't he come out to the stable and give a ball to Peg Pullaway with his own hand and tell me he'd ride the old general today? And sure, said Dan, wiping his eyes with the sleeve of his coat. Who'd have thought that the first thing I'd see this morning was the, was the mistress standing at my bedside and bidding me get up and ride off like fire for the Dr. Johnson. The master had got a fit and poor Dan's grief choked his voice. Oh, Mick, if you have heart in you run over for yourself or send the gassoon for Kate Finnegan, the midwife. She's a cruel, skillful woman and she might be able to save the master if I get the doctor. Oh my God. Oh, is he possessed or something? <laughs> Dan struck his spurs into the hunter and Michael Noonan flung off his newly mended brogues and cut across the fields to Kate Finnegan's, but neither the doctor nor Katie was to any avail. And the next night's moon saw Bally Giblin, which I don't really know what that means. And more's the pity, a house of mourning. The end. Oh my God. What? 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 <laughs> so... My fix for the story is that, um, so if you didn't get that, basically somebody died, Uh huh. we didn't really get to know them in the beginning. And that's my main like fix for the story was that we didn't personally know. Um, well, but like we met them briefly. No, we never met, um, Did, are, Mr. Rickson in, a, in the whole story. Wait, what? So wait, who did who did um, Mick get the the horse and the cart from? That was the gossip Darby Haynes. Darby Haynes, okay. So Darby yeah, Haynes no. is still okay. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. The town. How else are we going to know the story if Darby Haynes isn't alive to tell it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't realize we don't actually know. So like all of this haunting stuff isn't even related to Mick. Mick nope. just is on the periphery experiencing some of the like yeah just like experiencing effects he, of the haunting but like basically he saw death and his six horses ride past him after he heard the banshee like wailing and predicting his death that's of someone wild. that we have so I love the story I think it's written very beautifully um, or told very beautifully but yeah, I was a little confused. I was like, wait, who died? Yeah, I think it's from the wrong person's perspective. Yeah. This should have been a story told from the perspective of Mrs. Rickson. Mm-hmm. 
dealing with her husband's haunting and then subsequent death. Like, yep. So points wow. wise, I know it was fun. I was a little sad it didn't have more Banshee in it, but I did love that there was Banshee and Headless Horseman and horses. I love that there's Hell Headless, yeah. Headless Horse, like the coachman. Uh-huh. And the horses are on. <laughs> and the horses. That was really fun. That was a really fun mashup of a couple of different things. And it was creepy as fuck. Like that. I'm glad Mick's okay. Me too. Poor Mick just had to like deal with it, I guess. What a day. I just want to double check. Because I, I had to read this like a few times to understand. I was like, wait, who died? Because I also thought they were in the story. But I, I think you're right because I don't remember hearing the name. Yeah, no, we talked about old Hanlon from the Hanlon's yep. Mill. And yep. then uh, Master Edmund ended up getting the house and the Nagels got it after. So they don't ever talk about. So that was just like a, a little Irish tangent <laughs> yeah, about about of. this stupid mill. Like that's not that's actually important to the story. Yeah. I don't know why it's even called Hanlon's Mill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it should be called like. Something about Mick. The haunting of Mick whatever. Like Michael Noonan trying to get his brogues. <laughs> Just yeah. trying to get his shoes. Just trying that to was, live his life, man. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. I think I should get a point for the Banshee is haunting someone specific. Oh, yeah. 100%. You definitely got that point. And it might have been a family Banshee, but I have no idea. That's not. That was not um, made clear. No, it was not. But he did hear the banshees and saw like the death. I don't know. So creepy. I thought that was fun. That was a really fun story. I enjoyed that very much. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I thought it was That fun. was extremely Irish. <laughs> oh yeah. All the names, all the places. <laughs> oh my god. Very specific. I don't know. I am a little bit sad that um March is now over and we're done with Irish fairy tales. But, you know, we could do Irish fairy tales when it's not March too. So It's true. I was already thinking maybe like, maybe our April bonus episode, <laughs> we Ooh. can do more Irish fairy tales. Right? Because I love them. They're so much fun. They're so fun and I'm not Ooh. ready to let them go yet. We did so many last year. <laughs> I know. It feels like... I I don't know. It feels like Irish Fairy Month just whipped by. So it did. Uh, agreed. So we're definitely going to be doing more Irish fairy tales at some point, but this does bring our March to a close. Thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple. Uh, or anywhere else that will allow you to do so. You can leave us five stars on Spotify. If you love the show and want to support us in other ways, i.e. monetarily, you can get extra episodes, merch books, and other bonus content at our Patreon by signing up at fairytalefix.cash. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at at fairytalefixpod. And you can also email us your favorite fairy tales, folklore, nursery rhymes, and other such things at info at fairytalefixpod.com. And so... In the middle of rescuing the seven-year-old Phil from the giant McMahon, he also, our protagonist also found the dumb white horse who kicked him in the forehead. <laughs>
and got his revenge upon him somehow. I don't want to be advocating for horse murder here because I feel like that happens enough. <laughs> That's you know? true. Maybe the say, best revenge with, is just leaving the horse. Maybe he hit, well the, the 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 plow hammer got twisted by the giant. Oh, that's right. Never mind. So that wouldn't also not have been possible. But he somehow gets revenge upon the horse <laughs> and the boy. It was also the boy's fault, really. The boy was only seven. Leave him alone. <laughs> or fourteen. Technically fourteen, but in actuality <laughs> seven. And in my story, we got to learn about Mr. Rickson and why we should care about him at all at the very beginning of the story. <laughs> it's a really good fix. <laughs> yeah. And they, they all, all lived, lived except, except for, for Mr. Rickson. Rickson. <laughs> and the horse. And the horse. Happily, Happily ever, ever after. after. The, end. the end. 